Hey, uh, we're glad you guys are here today. You picked a great Sunday to be here because it's, it's Sunday, and every Sunday is a great day to be here. We're just glad you guys are here today, and uh, we believe that God's going to do something great in you and in you and through you and around you, and you're in good company. We're all here today. I think you've sensed the theme today um, that in this room we here today is just all a bunch of, bunch of regular Joes. I was talking with a brand new visitor today in the back named Joey, and I just said, you know, we're all just regular people here just trying to figure out how to go from day to day to day to day to day with Jesus, from day to day to day with Jesus. And so we're taking it one day at a time. We're learning and we're growing, and um, we're just glad you're here today. No matter, where you, no matter where you've been, it doesn't matter today. We're just glad that you're here, and we're excited to go with you wherever you're headed, and we want to go in the direction with you. And so we're glad you're here. If it's your first time, when you're our guest, you're welcomed here, you're wanted here. There's anything we can do to make your, um, your stay more enjoyable. I feel like it's a hotel. There's anything we do to make you feel more comfortable or if there's anything we need to help you to grow or to connect um, with us, we want to be able to do that, and um, we're glad you're here. We're in a series called I Love My Church. I Love My Church, and um, one of the things that we see every single week at our church is that we exist to love all people at all times and all places. That's kind of why we exist as a church, and how we funnel that existence or how we live out that existence is through our core values, and so we're kind of walking through our, our core values. We're kind of walking through what we believe as a church and kind of why um, I was talking to Chris, who um, is the associate executive director here of the YMCA, and he's here kind of watching us today. And I was telling him here, if people don't know the why, they really don't understand what's going on. They don't know why. You know, what, there's a reason why you tell your kids to do something, and what's the first thing they say to you? Why? And it's great when you're a parent, you just tell them, because I said so. That's why. I mean, that's pretty simple, right, mom and dad? You're like, oh, man, I wish it was that simple. There's kind of a theme I've learned this week. Um, I, I heard a, a guy say recently, uh, my kid always has a rebuttal. I'm like, how old is your kid? And he was like nine. I was like, oh. And then I was somewhere else this week. I was at the, I was at the gym this week, and, I, and this guy was talking about his kid. And I said, hey, um, she's like, oh, man, I'm having a hard time with my, 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 my son. I said, oh, how old is he? He's nine. I was like, oh, there's a theme here. Nine-year-old is the rebuttal age. And for me, my rebuttal, I don't, I, I, my dad's here today on the front row, and you've heard me say this before, but my rebuttal age was from the time of nine until I was 25. <laughs> this is a long stage. I grew out of it. That's so parents, when parents say to me, can you please help me with my middle school, high school kid? I'm like, yes. Hang in there until they're 25, and they'll have it right. And so I'm like, that, that's what happened for me. And um, until, they're, until they're 25, you, just, you beat their bottom as much as you can, you know. And eventually at 25, it all began to click that I don't know everything. And when you don't know everything, you can learn a lot. When you don't know everything, you can learn a lot. So we, here's our why. We exist to love all people at all times and all places. And, and, and here's why we do that. Week one, we looked at the fact that we'll do anything short of sin to reach people. We'll do anything short of sin to reach people. We want to love people as, as much as we can. We want to be radical. We want to have this radical love for people. And so we'll do anything short of sin to reach people. The second thing we looked at is we make it hard for people to go to hell by making it fun to go to church. Church ought to be fun. You ought to laugh in church. You ought to smile in church. I believe Jesus liked to have fun. We make it hard for people to go to hell by making it fun to go to church. Um, I have a friend here today, and um, I, I grew up at a school 6,000 East Colonial. And we played against a school 6,000 West Colonial. And um, I'm going to give you, like, you guys realize that our church is pretty transparent. Um, maybe, Paul, you can relate with this. How many of you guys went to like a Christian school or like a Catholic school or you went to some sort of religious school? Okay, cool. So you'll get what I'm about to say right here. Um, Catholic schools or Christian schools or church schools, anything like that, religious schools, what you'll find is this. If they play other religious schools or other Christian schools, they're ugly to each other. It's like they're saved, we're safe, so let's just treat each other like trash. And that's pretty much how it works. 
But if you're a Christian school or you're a religious school or a Catholic school or a Lutheran school, whatever school that you did, this has some sort of religious feel to it. If you go play a public school, well, they're not saved. So you have to be kind to them and be nice to them. And, and what I realized as an adult, there, there's probably some people at that public school that were Christians. <laughs> like just if your kid's in public school, they can be saved. Okay, don't be worried. Don't get nervous. Like, but it's like, so we were rival with each other. We're, we would just... And so last week, uh, Neil was here today, and, and one of those rivals ended up becoming my brother-in-law. My dad used to always joke, you need to be nice to those guys because you never know who they'll end up being to you. And my, that guy that we hated so much became my brother-in-law. I still hate him. I'll be honest with you. Some of you guys are like, oh, you shouldn't say that in church. We're in a YMCA. Um, <clears throat> we, we used to go, and so last week I'm here, and I, I see uh, Neil and... I'm from an old school Baptist church, and so we used to, an old school Baptist church, be like, where are all of our visitors at? We're not going to embarrass you. Stand up. <laughs> We're not going to embarrass you. Stand up. So, um, so Anil, I saw Anil last week. He, he's here today. Again, I saw him walk in, and I was kind of like, what are you doing here? <laughs> I'm like, you're on my territory. <laughs> I'm like, where's your posse at? Because they always beat the crap out of us, you know? Junior higher kids left, so I could use the C word. But I'm like, I'm like, where's your posse yet? Because they would just pound on us. And so he's here. I just love when my friends from my old life <laughs> come into this place. And he was here. And we want to make it fun to go to church. But the church that we grew up at, we were bored in church, weren't we? Or we went to Christian school. We hated it most days. And we were bored. And we got in trouble a lot. I know they did. I know I did. And um, one of my buddies, um, one, of my, one of my good friends, they went over. We, one of my friends, not me, one of my friends, we went over one night and vandalized their school property. I mean, Christians do some pretty nasty things to other Christians. Um, but we want to make it, we grew up, and I grew up in a church. I was just trying to stay awake. We want to make it fun for people to go to church. We don't want anyone to go to a place called Hell Cuts, a real place. We want people to be able to connect with Jesus. And last week, we looked at the fact that we are encouragers. We are encouragers, and we're called to encourage people. That's what we're put on this earth to, is to encourage and to love people. And that kind of goes without saying, we need to encourage people. More and more I talk to people. Probably, I said this last week, that one out of one people need some encouragement in their life. People have tough weeks. I had coffee with a friend of mine this week, and he says, man, I'm just trying to put it all together. I was talking to a guy that he says, trying to put it all together. We just need some encouragement. Because one out of one people in here have some thing in their life, we call it a hurt habit or hang up. Life is hard. And so it's important that when life is hard, that you don't live in isolation, because you live in isolation, you can begin to beat your own self up. I was telling my friend today that you, isn't it, have you noticed that when things are going bad, you don't need Satan to beat you up because you're pretty good at beating your own self up? You can, you can weigh yourself out. You can go round and round in the ring with you. You just beat your own self up. You don't even need someone else to come to you and say anything to you. Some of you guys, you haven't been to church in a super, 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 super long time. But before you got here, Satan's like, you don't even need to come to church. And then you get in the church and you're like, you start beating yourself up. It's important to have people in your life that will encourage you. Number four, we are generous. We are generous. And we believe that we are called to be generous because Jesus himself was generous to us through our time, through our talent, and through our treasure. God's called you and I to be a generous people. And I, the most, I said this last week, but the most encouraging people you ever meet are generous people. Generous people. But I want to look at one more uh, core value today, if we can. Or actually, two. I want to I get two into this time together. But if you have a Bible, I want to read it to you first, and then I want, to, I want to draw some application where we got these core values at. If you have a Bible, turn to 1 Kings chapter 19. If you don't have a Bible, 
We have these two big screens that we'll be glad to put the verses on there for you. You ought to have a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, we want to give you a Bible. When you leave today, when you walk out to the right, you'll just see my sister there. She looks just like me, but long hair, prettier, but you get the point. She looks like me, same skin color, longer hair, pretty, and and a pregnancy bump. It's weird when your little siblings have kids. Like, are you even old enough to be pregnant? You know? I'm like, who did that? <laughs> um, what? Um, she'll give you a Bible. And if you don't want a physical Bible to take with you, some of you guys are new, you're like, this is, I love this place. <laughs> you're like, I love this church, and it's day one. We're only 35, 40 minutes into it, and there's 20 more to go. But if I don't start preaching, we won't get to it. Um, have a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, we want to give you one. And there's another. Uh, there's a, a thing on your phones. You all have phones. There's a thing called YouVersion. And um, it's an easy way to read the Bible. There's different translations that you can actually understand. And someone asked me a long time ago, what's the best translation to read? I grew up in a church where it was 1611 King James Version only with these and thou's included. And uh, I said the best translation for you to read is the one that you can understand that you can actually read. So, like, if you can read it and you can understand it, then that's a good translation for you. There's tons of them out there for you to understand. 1 Kings chapter 19, a very, 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 very preached and popular uh, text of Scripture. This is a portion of Scripture where there's a guy named Elijah. He anoints a guy by the name of Elisha. Just like we covered Josh in prayer today, Elijah covers Elisha and says, okay, you're going to go and do this. Now, these are two really, really big-time major players in the Old Testament. These are prophets, and God used them in a great Great, great, great way. And, 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 and some of you guys have been in church a long time, but there's this guy named Elijah, and there's a guy named Elisha, and Elijah came first. And the, the way you can separate the two is that Elijah is a, starts with J, and that's the first in the alphabet, and Elisha starts with the letter. There's an S in there, so that's the second. So Elijah goes and has an encounter with Elisha. Now, Elijah has been watching Elisha for a long time. He's been watching him for a long time to see what he was about, seeing what he was, what he was, what he was doing, what he was, what he was capable of. I, I got ordained when I when I got ordained as, as a pastor, Diana's dad that, that just laid hands on Josh was, was there for me when I got ordained. I got I was probably a pastor for about six or seven, eight years. But they watch you, they want to make sure that you can that you have some, you, you do what you say you do. They want to see if you can be what you're saying that you're going to be. They kind of watch you and kind of check on you. And, and they had to groom me. I had to have a lot of grooming, you know. I still need a lot of grooming. I got a long way to go. But they had to groom me up. And Dinah's dad has had the privilege and the honor and the wonderful experience of helping groom me. It's a lot of work. Now my wife is grooming me. And um, I'm going to get there. But Elijah's been watching Elisha for a while. And we find him in this text. He's about to say, hey, here's your chance. Here's your Here's your shot at ministry. Here's your chance to do what I know you can do. And so in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 19, Elijah went and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat. And he was plowing a field. He was working. He was working. The very next part of that verse is this. There were 12 teams of oxen in the field, and Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. Elijah went over to him. And took his cloak across his shoulders and he threw it on Elisha. Now you're like, "Ah, man, I I knew church was weird. This guy's taking his jacket off and putting on some other dude. That only works in church culture. Like if I walked up with some of you guys in here today, Courtney's like, don't ever think about putting your jacket on me. If I walked up and put my jacket on you, that would be weird. 
My kids last night, we were at a restaurant, and, and, and my son came over to me. My mother-in-law has taught my kids this thing called a warm-up. And it's where she snuggles them, and she warms them up. And my son's like, Dad, can you give me a warm-up? And I'm like, go look for your grandma. I'm not warming up no other dude. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I'll say, your sister, I'll warm up. You get, you're on your own. He's like, warm me up. I'm like, no. You're like, you're so mean to your kids. It's just truth. And so I said, go, go, go see, your t- like, warm yourself up, you know, and Elijah goes to me and says, hey, here's, here's my cloak. Now, the cloak represents kind of, their, kind of who they are and, and what they were. It was protection for them also. And it, it was a big deal for him to lay this, this cloak on him. This is, a, this is an example. This is an illustration of his, his calling. He's about to say, hey, here's your new, here's your new future. Here's, your, here's, where you're headed. here's where you're headed next. You walk at me walking up to you and say, hey, you're not going to have the job you have tomorrow, Monday morning, tomorrow morning. You're going to have a new job. And some of you guys be like, amen, praise God, and start speaking in tongues because you're so excited you're going to have a new job tomorrow. He said, hey, you're getting a new job. You're, you're, you, you're getting a new direction. Everything that you know was normal, you're actually going to have a new kind of normal now. Things are about to be completely different for you. So we keep on reading this verse. Elijah, for the, very first, the very next verse, after he lays his cloak on him, Elijah, Elijah turns around and walks away, and Elisha left his oxen right away, and he ran after Elijah. And he said to him, I, it was a process, I'm sure. He takes the cloak, and he's like, dang. And his mind, begins to, his mind begins to wander. What does this really mean? Where am I headed? What am I doing? Can I really, can I be an encourager? Can I be, can I be generous? Can I... Can I reach people? Can I love people? Can I really do what he's calling me to? Because this is a big, big deal. Can I really, am I really qualified to be what he wants me to be? Does he know who I am? All the self-doubt begins to come. I'm not, I'm not a great communicator. I'm not a great leader. I'm really good at manual labor. I'm gifted in walking behind this plow all day long and feeding these, these oxen and making sure this land is plowed. I, I'm just a good, I'm just, a, I'm just average to good business owner. That's really all I am. I don't have a lot of things going for me. And he says here in this passage of scripture, he ran away and he chased him down. And Elijah was all in already. He literally dropped everything he, he, and ran into him. And then he said to him, first, can I go kiss my mom and my dad and say goodbye? And then I'll go with you. I'm in, but can I just go give my, my, my parents a hug and a, and, and a hope high five and let them know I'm, 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 really, I'm fully committed to this. Now, Elijah, at some level, I don't, I don't, I'm not a deep Bible scholar, but I know that at some, at some point, Elijah was just doing what he was always doing. Elijah may or may not have this great revelation, what it all was going to look like, but Elijah knew that whenever he got this, he knew that he was supposed to go. He knew that. And I don't know if Elijah probably did not know when the day or the hour was going to come when he was going to begin, Elisha, when he was going to go and follow Elijah. He, he didn't know the day or the hour. He, he didn't know that. If he would have, he might have been showered up, cleaned up, ready to go. But he was out working, doing what he always was doing, where he was always at, with the people that he was always, always with. And he says, can I go? And Elijah says to him, go on back, but think about what I have done to you. He says, yeah, it's no big deal. It's no big deal. I'll meet up with you later. So Elisha returned to his oxen, and he slaughtered them. This guy's hardcore. Like, this was his livelihood. This guy knows that when he, to, to go where he was going, he was giving up his income. He, that's a big pill to swallow. 
I'm going to follow Jesus. Yeah, you're, you're going to lose your income. Like Elijah, when we read the story of Elijah, Elijah went from place to place to place, and, and widows were taking care of Elijah. That's how Elijah lived. Elijah got to a place where he was, he was in such a dire strait where he was actually next to a dried up creek bed, and God was using uh, ravens to bring him his food. I mean, that, that doesn't sound very luxurious. I don't know that I want to I wanna go that I want to go that direction, but Elisha says, I'm, I'm going to go. And so Elijah takes his, his plow and he, he cuts them up. He makes an altar. He takes the, the oxen and he, and he cuts it up and prepares it. And so Elijah returned to his oxen and he slaughtered them. He used the wood from the plow to build a fire to roast their flesh. He passed around the meat to the townspeople and they all ate. Then he went with Elijah as his assistant. So Elijah says, come on, Elisha. And Elisha says, I'm in. Let me go say bye to my family. Elisha takes his oxen. He takes his plows. He builds an altar. He cuts up the meat. He cuts up the meat, fillets it. That's the point of the source where I get hungry. You start thinking about food. Fillets it just right. Puts it on there and cooks it just perfectly. Medium. Medium rare. I don't know. And prepared it and went out and handed out all of this food. Now, this oxen would have fed a family of five for about a year and a half. He could have went to his mom and dad and said, hey, mom and dad, I got to go. I want to give this to you. But Elijah knew that what he was about to step into was a ministry called serving and serving the church or serving people and helping people everywhere. Yesterday we went to East Winter Garden and we served hot dogs and, and hamburgers and uh, hot dogs and chips and, and cookies and drinks and hand out clothes and hand out things. He knew that he was about to go give and serve and give and serve and lose and live that life on repeat. Just giving and serving and giving and serving. So he's like, I don't need to hoard all this for just my family. Plus, they didn't have refrigeration back then. But he went and said, I'm going to feed everybody. I'm, there's, I'm not going to preach this today, but the point is, I think there's a little foreshadow there. And for saying, hey, we're, we're actually called to help and we're actually called to love everybody. That's actually what we're called to do. You and I, all of us in here today, we're actually called to love everyone that we come in con- encounter with. That we come in contact with and that we encounter. We're called to love everybody. We're called to encourage everyone. We're called to be generous. We're called to help people who need help. We're not, I was telling someone today that the, the Bible says that doctors don't need a, a hospital. Only the sick do. We're called to help everyone and to encourage everybody. We're not just going to look, pe- we're not going to help people and to serve people who look just like us. We're called to help every single body. Every single body. Don't Google that because I don't think that makes sense. And it says there that he, he did that, prepared the food, gave it away. And then he went to be Elisha's assistant. Glamorous, huh? <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, sign me up for ministry. That's what I want to do. I remember when I, when I, when I, wanted to, when I surrendered to be in, in ministry, I was 15. I was at a summer camp. And I'm like, I'm going to be a youth pastor. That's what I want to be. I'm like, man, if my youth pastor is doing this, it looks fun. It looks, looks, I knew it wasn't glamorous. I knew the pay wasn't high. But I'm like, man, this is fulfilling. Like, and don't we all want to have that? Don't we all want to have fulfilling? Like, I'm like, this is, I, I could see myself doing this forever. This guy helped me. I feel like I can, do, I can do this a lot. I can help a lot of people. I, I love this. I'm like, sign me up. I'm, I'm interested. And so what I thought that meant was I was going to get a microphone. I was going to start preaching the very next Wednesday night. And I remember coming home and I tell my pastor. And I had to call my parents and told them on, on the phone. And my dad was like, this, is, this kid's going to be broke. <laughs> I'm going to take care of this kid the rest of my life. I was hoping to get rid of him, you know, when he got into college. But he's like, I'm going to take care of him a lot longer. And so I got to Bible college and I got my allowance every week. It was awesome. But I remember, I thought I was going to get a microphone. So I went home, told my parents, told my pastor. My pastor goes, awesome, you're going to be in ministry. I said, you're darn right I am. When do I get my microphone? 
That's what I wanted. I just wanted my microphone. And he said, oh, you're, you're not getting a microphone. I said, no, that's ministry, right? Isn't it? Get up there preaching and teaching. He says, no, no, no. I said, what am I going to do? He goes, you're going to come next Saturday. I said, yeah. I said, we don't have church on Saturday. He goes, yeah, I know. We don't have church on Saturday. He goes, but the, you know what we have every single Saturday on this property, son? I said, no, sir. What do we have? He goes, we have trash on this property every single Saturday. I'm like, awesome. Who picks that up? The people that surrender to full-time ministry. I'm like, all right, check, please. No microphone? No, no microphone. Yeah. I said, all right, preacher. The next Saturday came and I got it done. I said, all right, when do I get my microphone? You, next Wednesday, I'm like, this is going to work. I said, what time do we start? He goes, oh, we start at 6.30, but you're going to come at 5. I'm like, perfect. I'll give me an hour and a half to write a sermon. It's perfect. He's like, no, 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 you're not writing a sermon. You're not preaching. I'm like, why aren't I? He's like, you're coming to set the chairs up. I'm like, this is ministry? I don't think I, I'm not quite sure that I, that I wanted to sign up for that, Josh. I, I didn't sign to pick up trash and to, and to, to do something like that. And I'm like, he's like, and you're going to stay late. I'm like, what am I going to stay late for? Are we going to go out? Are we going to get some of the food? Like, are we going out to eat? He's like, no, no, we're going we're gonna to clean up all those chairs afterwards. What are we going to do next Saturday? I remember one time getting back from camp. This is the next year later. I got back from camp. We, we drove all through the night. We would drive to Philadelphia to go to camp. I remember getting back the next, that next morning. We got back in the middle of the night, probably about 4 or 5 in the morning. And my youth pastor said, hey, remember you signed up for ministry? I said, yeah, man. This is a year of this. I've been picking trash up for a year. I'm like, maybe he's going to give me a microphone. Just because I want to give you a microphone. Please. I'm dying here. He says, we're going to get in about 4 or 5 in the morning, but when we do that, we're going to go, we're going to stay a little bit longer. I said, no problem. We're going to clean the bus up? I've been cleaning for a year. I'm like, no big deal. He goes, he goes yeah, we're going to clean the bus up. I said, what else are we going to do? He goes, we're also we're going to mow this lawn. I said, how are we going to do that? He goes, we aren't going to do it. You are going to do it. You can get on a ride lawn, or you're just going to ride back and forth. I'm like, what if it's dark? He's like, the ride lawnmower has lights on it. You're going to be great. You're going to be in great shape. And I just mowed in mode, in mode. You know what I realized about this story? The reason why I'm sharing it with you is that one of, our, one of the value that we're talking about is that we do work here. We work here. This is what we do. We don't, this isn't something we just wake up and this just, this just happens. I love walking people in here to, to come help us set up for the very first time uh, last, last night. And a couple of the guys were like, man, this is, I've never seen this as a gymnasium before. I just always see it set up and this looks nice and it's comfortable when we get here and the air is right and these lights are there and all this stuff. We do work here. When I wanted to do ministry, what I realized is this, is that I, I, had to, I had to do work. There was no just, you wake up one day and you're on the stage. It was, hey, you're going to work, and you're going to work. Work, 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 work. That was going to be a lot of work. You were just going to work, and you were going to work, and you were going to work. I'm like, where's the glamorous? Where's the, when do I get to write my first sermon? I didn't write my first sermon for a long time. I started to ministry at 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. I get to Bible college, like, you're going to write a sermon. I said, I can't wait. Who am I going to preach it to? Nobody. You're just going to write a sermon. 1920. You know when I spoke my first sermon? It's a bad time to preach your first sermon. I, I went to Manila, Philippines. I was a junior in college, and my wife, my, I, was, I liked Diane at that time. We weren't married yet. And she's like, if you love me, Wes, and you like me, you have to, you have to like missions. My dad is a world traveler. I'm like, yeah, I love missions. Or like, we're going to go to the inner city. Let's go inner city. I can, you know, I can act inner city if I need to act inner city. <laughs> She's like, no, 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 we're, we're going to the Philippines. I'm like, where's the Philippines at? She's like, it's on the other side of the world. It's, it's going to take us 20 hours to get there. 
I remember going and I, I was, I was going to preach. They, they were like, hey, we're, we're going from school to school. I'm the only guy. There's, we're, there's youth pastors there. They're all preaching at these different schools. And I'm like, I'm thinking, man, I can't wait to get my shot. I mean, I'm, I'm six years into it. I still haven't preached a sermon yet. <laughs> and I'm like, man, I can't wait to get my shot at this thing. And first school, second school, third school. They're not asking me. I'm just the punk Bible college kid. I don't know anything. And they know that. I'm thinking, are they going to let me get a shot at this thing? I'm kind of nervous. And I remember the last time I said, hey, Wes, last day, you get your shot. I said, I can't wait. I said, what are we going to do? He's like, we're going to Rizal High School. I said, oh, that's awesome. What's that? It's one of the largest schools in all the Philippines. 30,000 kids. They run sh- sh- school in shifts throughout the day. The- it's huge. You're going to preach there. I'm like, wrong guy. <laughs> wrong guy. I'm like, I can't even. You see how fast I talk now? You can imagine being nervous in 20 like, I don't, I can't do this. Like, you know, you're going to do this. You're going to get up there and do it and slow down and just do your best. You know what I believe about that first sermon, I guess? I'm sure it was a train wreck. But I did the best I could. I did the best I could. You know what I realize? I've heard this a handful of times and maybe you've heard it, but God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. I don't have a whole lot of talent, you guys. I can't do a lot of things. I'm with most of you guys. Yesterday, Tom said, hey, Wes, he, it, was, it was his turn to set up. He's like, hey, I need to ask, what about this? I'm, he's like, should I go ask Diana? I'm like, yes. <laughs> I'm like, no, don't. It was in here. Anything in here that gets set up in here, I, I got this. I got this thing. Got it under control like a train wreck. <laughs> like, I can set up anything in here. I got this. Don't ask for anything. This is my, this is my, this is my location. I realize that I, I, don't, I can't do a lot. But you know what I can? I can work hard. I learned early on in my first job, I learned, I learned a phrase called Philo. First in, last out. I can work hard. Like if there's a work hard competition, you know how I learned how to work hard? My dad made me work for everything I've ever had. My dad made me work for it. So it instilled it in me. I'm so thankful. My dad didn't know he was preparing me for ministry, but he prepared for me for ministry because I can pick up trash better than any of you guys in here today. You know what? My dad always told me there's no job more important than the other job. You know what? I could go out and crush. I could be a great garbage man. I know I can because I'm not afraid to work. I was talking to Brent this week and we were having coffee. And Brent goes, I'm not afraid to work. I will work. I'll work hard. You ask my wife. I, I cannot, I'll, if there was a working competition, I could outwork most of you guys in here today. I do not mind hard work. That's all I've ever known. Being a landscaper's kid, that's miserable. In a good way. It's sun is hot. Tyler is one of my, what, Tyler's, one of my Tyler's one of our one of my best guys at this church, one of my best guys. His mom's here today. He's a landscaper's kid. He's, work, he's work, had to work hard his whole entire life. It's all he's ever known is to work hard, work hard, work hard, work hard, work hard, work hard. And he helps me put this church together. He's helped us so, so, so much. He's a hard worker. There's a lot of hard workers in here today. You know the guys that we'll always give opportunity to at this church? The guys that work hard. If you work hard, you have, you, this is a great place to be at church. This is a great church to come to if you want to work hard. If you don't want to work hard, people are like, hey, can I get a shot at something? I'm like, do you work hard? That's all I want to know. Can you work hard? Can you? We tell people at, our, at this church, there's no job more important than the, other, than the other job. If you change a diaper, that's just as important as, as playing a keyboard and, 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 and singing. That's just as important at our church. Because if there was a screaming baby in here today, that would be hard to communicate the gospel. If no, one watches, if no one watches those kids in there, the mom can't walk in here today and, and, and have a break and, and be able to hear the gospel and be encouraged and be inspired by God's word. That's important. They're all important. If you can't wave your hand in a parking lot, you'll never be able to lead a worship song. You have to be able to, we have to do work here. 
It's one of our core values because we know that God wants us to work hard. In this story here, Elijah was a hard worker and God used him. If you want God to do something great in you, friend, if you want God to do something incredible through your life, you've got to become a hard worker. God doesn't pick people. I told this to our group earlier today. A lot of times we're sitting in our chairs and we're asking God to do something great in us and through us. And hardly ever in the scripture do you ever see God move somebody from a chair to a, a place of leadership or a place of great servanthood. servanthood. There, that hardly ever happens. You know, where, you know where you see it happen? You see David, a shepherd boy, out there working like Pastor Dave read to us just a moment ago, told a story. David was working, 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 and he went from being a worker to a stinking king. Are you kidding me? He wasn't at home playing video games saying, man, I wish God could use me. 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 And if you're a gamer in here today, do that really, really well and make a lot of money. Just make sure you tithe. It's okay if that's how God's going to use you. That's, I'm cool with that. If that's what you are. Like, I'm just a great gamer. Then do it for the glory of God, but make sure you're making money while you're doing it. If you're doing it at home, you're not making any money, you're lazy. But if you're at home and you're doing it, you make a lot of money, then you're a businessman. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to speak to someone's potential in here today. Like, we got to do work. If we don't do work, God's never going to take you from a place of not doing work to using you in a great way. I, told, I think some of you guys in here today, you have a list of things that you want God to do in your life. I think most people have a list of things that they want God to do in their life. And you know, I'll tell you what I've ever known. What I've, what I, any, of the, any, any of the business owners that in this room here today, you don't just wake up and everything be together and be just the way they are. You've got to start working really hard. You've got to work hard. I was talking to Alex the other day, and his family has a, a business bridal bridal shop Cordova bridal shop in Ocoee I know y'all are thinking does he get like dollars for advertising I don't but I'll take it you know what I'm saying he goes I really feel like God's about to blow up our business in a great way I said has it grown every year he said yes he goes my mom and dad he goes no one negotiates like my mom he said and my dad he goes my dad and mom they're the hardest workers I know God always uses people that are working hard. Always. David was in there working and God said, hey, and, and, the, and they said, hey, don't you have one more son? He's out there working. You don't want a farmer. And God's like, yeah, I want someone who's going to work hard. When Jesus called the disciples, what were they doing when Jesus called the disciples? Were they sitting at home? Were they in a Bible study? No. They were fishing. Jesus knew that fishermen were hard workers. He also knew that they were patient. Come on, if you're a fisherman, you know what I'm talking about. You're patient. And he was going to have to go lead a bunch of stubborn people. Thousands and thousands of people would fall, and they had to be patient. They had to be hard workers. God can use someone who's working hard. God can use someone who's working really hard. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 that we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he's planned for us. God has a work prepared for you, to, you and I to go and do. He has a work prepared for you and I to do. Colossians chapter 3 verse 23 says, Work willingly at whatever you do as though you're working for God rather than for people. I told you guys, when you give at this church and when you serve at this church, you're not serving this church. We're actually serving the King of Kings. We're serving God. This is God's church. I'm the manager. I manage my house, I manage my cars, I manage my money, I manage this church. But I'm not the owner of this church. God is. I just manage it. Everything I have, I'm just a manager. 
You're like, do you like being a manager? I like being a manager when God's the owner. <laughs> if you were the owner, I wouldn't want to work for you, but I want to work for God. And don't get all huffy puffy. You wouldn't want to work for me either. <laughs> Some of you guys are like, you're darn right I wouldn't. But I'd work for Diana. <laughs> God uses people that are working, guys. I don't, you're like, is that spiritual? Is that gonna help me? I hope so. You, you have, God wants to do something in you and through you, but if you're not working, you'll, it'll never ever happen. Wes, I want God to do this in my life. If you're not working, it'll never happen. You're like, Wes, that's pretty, that's pretty extreme. It's in the Bible. You see, when God calls people, they're working really hard all throughout scripture. If you want a breakthrough in here today, if you want a breakthrough, start working. Start working. You're like, where do I start working at? You come here every Saturday. Last night we had a setup team. It was a monster setup team. Guys, like, where'd they come from? Where'd they come from? Where'd they come from? Damien came. Damien's flying to Japan this week. He came and helped us. There's people like we didn't never met him before. They just come to help us. <laughs> Like, where'd you come from? I believe as you want God to use you, start working. Start building the kingdom. Matthew 6, says, seek first the kingdom of God. If you put God first and start serving God, I mean, you, who knows what'll happen? And then last, I believe this, we empower people to use their God-given talents. We value that. We empower people to use their God-given talents. If you need some encouragement today, if you haven't had enough, here's one for you. You're a 10 at something. You are a 10 at something. Some of you guys are like, that's my favorite line of the day. <laughs> You're a 10 at something. Every one of you guys are a 10 at something. Diane's been coming to this church for a while now. I met her January of last year. and She's been coming, she's been coming. She's been in the same church. She's in a community group with me. She's been in the same church her whole entire life. Her, mo her mom actually helped start the church. She left that church to come to this church. She's like, I just wanted a church that was going to be relevant to my, to my high school and middle school kids. So I, I, I want to come to this church. So I, she came and checked it out. She came and checked it out. And she brought them. Well, yesterday they all came and they, and they, all, they all came to the um, serving project that we did yesterday in East, in East Winter Garden. And here's what I know. When she got done, I just, I, when she walked away, she goes, I got to go to work right now. I said, she's like, but if you already need my kids, they'll come and help you on, on a Saturday. I know she's talented in a lot of areas, Diane is, but I, here's what I know. She's a hard worker. She's a hard worker. She's a hard worker. My other friend is in here today. Her name is Miss Maria. She's one of the hardest working people that I know. And every week you see the best yet to come. Every week the best yet to come. Well, she's been our friend for since we started the church. And Miss Maria was just telling us, hey, I need to get my, I need this, I need this. Well, she started studying to get her uh, CPA license. And last week she came to me and we've been praying for that God would give her the great job. God would give her this great job. God would give her this great job. And she's trying to study to be her CPA, studying, studying. Every, every, all your off time, she's studying. And I'm like, God, help her to pass it, help her to pass it, help her to pass it, help her to pass it. She's just, every single Saturday, she's here helping, serving, she's serving, she's serving, she's serving, she's serving. And uh, this past week, she goes, hey, I need to let you know. I said, what's up? She's like, I got a job, I got, I got a new job. I said, really? I said, how did you find it? She goes, I didn't, I didn't find the job. The job found me. I was like, praise God. I said, is it, you know, I asked, yeah, we can clap for that. That's awesome. I said, well, is it a pay raise? That's what I want to know. You know what I'm saying? Like, is it a pay raise? She's like, It'll put me back at the place where I was before I moved here from the Northeast, which is, which is a pay raise. When you're working, God wants to bless you when you're working. 
you work and, and, and God blesses and you work and God blesses and you work and God blesses. Will everything be perfect in between there? No. Was it a long time before that job came? Absolutely. But she started working and she was working and she was working and she was working. Um, we're not going to sing at the very end because I want to share one more story and I know my time's expired. <clears throat> my daughter, she sings and um, she sings good. And um, we sing that song, Go Come to the Altar. And honestly, she was going to sing this singing, she was going to be in the singing competition. And most of you guys have seen the video. The video has like almost 2,000 views and 60 plus comments. And everyone in America that's my friend has said, oh, awesome, 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 awesome. Well, so I just, I just Facebook lied this thing. And you never know who's going to follow you. Like, so I just, I throw this video up there. And, and she goes, hey, the competition was Friday. So I got Friday morning. She's like, I got to be there early. And I was like, you got to take it there early for sound check. So I take it there and sound check. I didn't hear her sound check, but I heard everybody else sound check. I'm thinking, man, there's a lot of really good singers in there. There's a lot of good singers. And, um, and I was nervous because you want your kid to win. And you know what? Let's be honest, mom and dad. You think your kid's the best at whatever it is that they are. They're probably not, but you, you think that they are, you know? And so I'm like, man, I hope my daughter wins, but I'm realistic too. I'm like, these, these are some good singers. I'm like, man, I hope she, I hope she just places in the top three. That'd be awesome because that's... That's good. I don't want to be 12th place. But top three, I'm cool with, you know. So she's singing, she's singing, she's singing, she's singing, she's singing. She's just singing the song all week long. And honestly, I'm sick of hearing the song. I know it. The twins know it. And everyone knows it. We all know the song. Like my, my twins could get up here and I could, if we could record them for the whole day, we can't. Because our phone always says out of space. But we... We, they, they know the whole song. Oh, come to the altar. Come to the altar. So she gets up there, and I record it, and she sings it, and she does a great job. And Diana says, I'm going to stay on this side of town. Our kids go to school out east. And she says, I'm going to stay here all week long, and I'm just going to stay, and we're going to go to the award ceremony. So third place, so-and-so. Second place, so-and-so. First place, so-and-so. And Diana's, Diana's telling me all this, and she's like, at first place, and I'm like, and she's like, I'm just listening. And, and I'm like, oh, man, she's not in the top three. And they go through the next category, you know, three categories. And said, all right, for our grand prize winner, you know where I'm going if you've been on Facebook, Hope Beecham. And Dinah's like, I was so excited. Well, I, I'll be honest with you, I had cried like all day that day, like a little girl. I, kept, I couldn't stop crying. I'm not, I'm not emotional. I'm an emotional piece of work. I, I'm, I'm a non-emotional piece of work. I'm just I'm not. My wife will tell you, he does not cry. I've cried like six times in the last 12 years. But I'm just like, I'm going to cry. But I'm, that whole day I'm like, oh, man, this is so cool. I mean, my daughter, she's, so, she's gifted and... But you know what I realized about Hope? You know what I know why she, probably why she won? Here's why I think she won. She worked so stinking hard. She sang that song. She sang that song. Her mom sang that song. Her mom sang that song. And I I coached her. You know what I'm saying? And Diana coached her. And I heard, you know, the things, advice I give her, I'm like, babe, that sounds great. Man, that sounds incredible. I said, oh, I like that. At the end, you add a little ad lib. I said, I like that. And I heard Diana say, I heard Diana my coaching style is different. Dinah's like, hey, you gotta hold that longer. Yeah, okay, down right here. I'm just like, so I'm like, Hope, that sounds good. Just go up and down whenever you want to. <laughs> it sounds great. You know what I'm saying? I don't care. Write, the, write whatever you want, sing whatever you want. I don't care. And so she's coaching her. And, but here's what I realized God's gonna do something in you and through you when you work hard and you use your God given abilities and talents. And can I tell you where you ought to use them at? Some of you guys are not plugged into this church. But this is a great place to plug into. This is a great place. Some of you guys have been here for a, a year. 
and you just hang out every week, and we love you. But you want God to do something great in you, and you want God to do something great through you, and that's and you're getting that. And I'm giving it. I'm giving you all. Like God, I told I, I told someone this week. I feel a pressure every week to to to, to deliver these sermons. I, I feel and I want to preach directly to people, and I want to bring it all. I got. I want to bring 110. percent I want to. I, I just want to go go go, and I want to preach my heart, and I want to conviction and pray that God would use me. All those things. And, and I do that. I really try hard to. But some people want to grab you by the arms. Some some of us. Sometimes I want to grab you by the arms and say, God wants to use you in such a great way. You don't need any more sermons. You just need to start serving. And watch God. You, you, want, to be, you, want, your, you want your growth accelerated? You want your spiritual growth accelerated? Start serving. Are the sermons speaking to you? I hope so. But you want to grow? Get in a group and start using your hands and serving this church and serving Jesus. That will change everything in your life. You want, to think, you want things to start looking up? Start serving and start doing and start giving and start opening your hands. And God's giving you everything that you have. You're great at what you do, but you're only great because God has empowered you to do what you do. And I love you enough to tell you that. My friend said to me, are you a preacher or your teacher? I said, it depends on how excited I get. I want God to do something great in, the, in everyone's life. And that's why I'm passionate about this. But if we come here and it's our hands in our pocket or our hands are closed, God can't do it. He can't give you more responsibility. He can't, you know, I, I like the prayer of Jabez where he says, God, en enhance my territory. Give me greater responsibility. Bless me indeed. Keep me away from evil. I love that prayer. I want more people praying that prayer in this room, but we got our hands in our pocket and the sermons are great and we're, that's good and that's good and we can post and we can tweet and that's all that's good. But man, if you want to grow, do something for the kingdom. And God will do something through you and in you that you can't imagine or think. I'm done. I love you and I'm for you. And God wants to use you in a great way. That's what the point of the sermon is. He, God wants to use you in a great way. He just does. He wants to use you. Wes, I'm not talented. You don't have to be. Wes, I can't do this. You don't have to. Start doing something. Pick a chair up today. Pick a chair up next week. And then you can just graduate.